Um, yeah, the Bainbridges took us uh, out for dinner. What, what a hospitality type thing. Didn't, didn't know us. And, and then a few years later, we've become family, brother and sister in the Lord. It's just, anyway, I feel good. Didn't mean to say that. Don't want to take too much time. This message <laughs> is going to be a conversational message, okay? And so if you are holding a microphone, um, are you holding a microphone? All right. Huh? What's that? <laughs> there you go. So, uh, brother... Sister, holding a microphone, that you are the spokesperson for your section. Your section is from in the middle here, right there. Spokesperson. All right? And your section is from the other side of the middle, right here. Spokesperson. All right? In this conversational message. Now, um, uh, all the rest of you who are not holding a microphone, you are are to give input to your spokesperson, okay, in, in our conversation, all right? So you actually have permission to talk during the message, all right? <laughs> but not at the same time as I'm talking. Uh, so I am kind of like the guide, the monitor, to make sure that the, you know, the time is, is all right and to keep us on the subject, the subject which, which is the world Christian movement from a biblical perspective, okay? So, uh, is, are we clear on the instructions here? Now, if, if you want to give input, you may, in order to be heard, you may have to actually get up and, and go to your spokesperson. And, and, and you may sit, it, it's all right. You don't have to stand the whole, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. So, are you ready for the first question? Here it is. If I talk about an unreached people group, what am I talking about? What is an unreached people group? From the, the idea of uh, the world Christian movement, from a biblical perspective, what's an unreached people group? Oh, those of you who have joined us online, I can't hear you. I, you may be <laughs> shouting, <laughs> but I just need to know I, I can't hear you. Uh, so uh, uh, you can uh, type in if you're one of those kind of people that know how to do that, and, uh, and we'll read it later. Okay, we'll have s someone on our side. Oh, sorry, ladies okay. first, go ahead. Yeah. Um, someone or a group who has not heard of God Okay, thank you, thank you. A, a group that have not heard of God, a people group, like, like an ethnic group somewhere in the world. Uh, I just, there is this great uh, website called uh, the Joshua Project. Yesterday, I clicked on the Joshua Project. Every day, they have a, a, an unreached people group of the day to, uh, for which to pray. And so yesterday, I just, just randomly uh, clicked on, and there are the Dargan people in the mountains of Turkmenistan. There's a little over 3,000 of them. They, as you said, they do not know Jesus Christ. They just, 
do not know him. And yet God loves those people as he loves every one of us. Now, um, here's another question. What is the difference between a person, let's just say an average Oregonian person, this person's in, say, Salem, Oregon, right in the middle. Well, not exactly in the middle. Anyway, in Salem, Oregon, and they do not know the Lord. Okay? And then that, let's just take one person in the mountains of Turkmenistan who doesn't know the Lord. All right? So what is the difference between those two people who don't know the Lord? One person over here said opportunity. Oh, yes. Opportunity. Yeah. Just, just a few months ago, there was a young man uh, from Salem. I'll call him Michael. And uh, uh, he uh, met our uh, family when he was a little soccer player. Uh, uh, one, of our, one of our children played soccer. with, And we had invited his parents to our house a few times. And somehow in the conversations, they figured out that we like Jesus. <laughs> and years later, so he, he grew up and he got into, you know, um, uh, made some poor decisions and uh, was getting into some trouble. And um, somehow he, his mind just started turning toward God because of the trouble he was getting into. And he wasn't sure what to do. And so just a few months ago, he, he uh, uh, got my phone number and called me just because uh, I'm someone that he knows that likes Jesus. Well, what should he do now? Well, uh, I helped him get connected with a congregation of believers in Salem uh, near where he lives. And uh, they were invited. He's, he goes to a, a group uh, every Thursday night uh, uh, in that church, he's gotten a job now that doesn't get him in trouble, and he just a couple months ago, maybe three months ago now, has joined Jesus, was immersed into Jesus uh, Christ, and his life is different. He has a whole bunch of people who love him and are encouraging him to walk with Jesus, and that is what he is doing right now. The poor person in Turkmenistan What did you say, opportunity? <laughs> Access, yeah. He the person in Turkmenistan doesn't even have that congregation of believers like there is in, in Salem and there is right here. That person doesn't even have a Bible in his language. Someone who's curious can... can uh, you know, look up on the internet and, and watch some videos on YouTube and learn about Jesus. This person in tech, uh, Turkmenistan just does not have the opportunity or the access. That is the difference. Unreached people group. I have high hopes for our time together as a family. And one of the things that I hope that you do is somehow, if you have your, your phone, I hope you take your, your phone and take a picture of, uh, I'm going to show a slide 
uh, up here, and the top of the slide will say prayer watch uh, up on it uh, later on in the message. And I hope that you actually take a picture of that slide and, and you say, well, that's not such a high hope. <laughs> well, just wait. <laughs> After you take a picture of that slide and it's on your phone, uh, I hope that you will decide to start a new habit that's a, a weekly habit. And the habit is it's what I call a, a prayer watch. And there are four prayer requests that will be on that slide. There, in, the, in the lobby, I have another, there's another uh, slide there, a little piece of paper. And so if you miss this, you can take a picture of that slide in the lobby with your phone. If you don't have your phone with you, you can ask one of your brothers and sisters who took a picture and have them send it to you on your phone. But my hope is that some of you will decide to start that weekly habit that I call prayer watch and pray each week for one of those four prayer requests. If you're an overachiever, <laughs> you could pray for all four of them at one time, but I don't do this. Now, uh, and so you would, here's, here's, the, here's the deal, you would choose a time during the week and whatever time you chose, and then you would put that on your phone, uh, on an alarm on your phone, so that your phone will tell you every week when it's time to do the prayer watch, when it's time to, to pray. And I have my alarm set for uh, 2 a.m. on Wednesday morning, <laughs> and that's because I know there will be no interruptions. <laughs> and that's why I call it a prayer watch, because uh, I'm not, not sleeping during that time. And, and I've been doing that for a number of years uh, uh, to pray for Bible translation, to pray for a people in West Africa, and to pray for Christian unity. But I'm going to add these four prayer requests that you'll find. So I hope some of you will decide to do that. And then here's the, here's the last thing. I hope some of you will decide to continue doing that, not just for a, a couple of weeks. Of course, I don't know how long it's going to take before God will answer the prayers. But here's the kicker. I hope that you will decide to continue doing that until this congregation, we send some people from our family to live among an unreached people group in the world. Isn't that kind of a good way to worship God? <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure that God is going to answer those prayers. And here's why I know. It was his idea. <laughs> this is, he wants to reach those people groups in Turkmenistan. And the cool thing is, is he wants his children to want him to reach those people in Turkmenistan. And he wants his children to help him in the family business. Because when his children help him in the family business, we become kind of like him. You see? And, and so I already know ahead of time he's going to answer those prayers. That is my hope for this message. Um, we are going to uh, uh, take a look at now the goal of the World Christian Movement. 
the end, the final, what is God up to as he's the prime mover of this world Christian movement? Where does he want us to end up? And so we're going to start from the end as he explained it to us. I'll be in Revelation chapter 21. I'm going to read the first eight verses and then you, in this conversation, you will tell me what the final goal is. Okay. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone and I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her hus husband I heard a loud shout from the throne saying look God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain all these things are gone forever. Yeah, that's what probably happens when that's what's going to happen. We are just going to roar. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. Didn't we just sing that? <laughs> it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Here's the next question. Where is God going? What's the goal of the world Christian movement? A community of God's family. A community of God's family. One people, one God, one... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Frank says a community of God's family. So God is there. The, com the family is there. You, you heard the children, didn't you? Yeah, I will be their God. They will be my children. Thank you. A community of God's family. What he's wanted from the very beginning. Isn't that what it, I don't know if you remember Genesis, uh, in the early chapters of Genesis, Adam and Eve right there at the very beginning of the garden, God was visiting them in the cool of the day in the afternoon. Apparently that was a habit. The first human pair got to hang out 
They got to hang out with God face to face. Every day, you don't know. What did they do? You know, God's giving them garden instructions, you know. Maybe they're, they're thinking about building something. You know, what do you, what do you think of this, Lord? They, they hung out. That was normal. That's what he wants. Yeah. Yeah. Um... We'll move on. I have to skip the verse 22 and 23 because of, uh, I've got to make sure the time is good. So, sorry. All of these other verses are good. <laughs> but, uh, I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. Next question, what is that all about? No temple, no sun. Talk to me. Um, when we dwell in the light, we don't need to go find the light. We are there. It is us. It is among us. It is around us. It surrounds us. There's no place to go find it because we are of it. Oh, man, yeah. Yeah, we are, we are children of light, I think the Apostle Paul said. And, and John is really big on light. And this is John writing here. God revealed it to him. But, you know, the light's kind of a metaphor, right? And so when... when you know, those of you who are new might not really, what, what are you talking about light? I mean, really, what are we talking about when we, when we think about light? Well, the sun is a symbol and a metaphor, and what is that sun to us? When there is no sun, we, <laughs> that cannot be. We, we not only cannot see, we can't live. It grows all of our stuff. And we can't see, you stumble, you're in the darkness. And, well, if I let my hair down just a little bit, I was always afraid of the dark. I still am a little nervous, <laughs> right? Light is good, light is truth. Light is related to life. Darkness, what is darkness? It's, it, it isn't even anything of itself. It, it, it's not a substantial thing, darkness. So light is strong. Darkness is, is kind of nothing. Light is good. Darkness is evil. We have flashlights. We don't have flash darks. <laughs> I mean, it just wouldn't work. So so the symbol of the, the sun and the moon and the light being more powerful, always, dis always, always, always dispelling the darkness, that's why it becomes a symbol of God. Okay? And so when you have a symbol, when you have the reality, you don't need the symbol anymore. Okay? Well, what about the temple? 
that temple. We're, you know, we don't really have much, we, we don't have a lot of experience with temples. But as you know, in, in, uh, in the Bible, there's a, there's a temple. And for the Jews at that time, the temple was so important. I mean, it, it's like, it, it's everything, the temple. And, and there's no temple in heaven. What's that about? Well, it's not so hard to understand. Okay, uh, ladies, let's say uh, you have to go on a trip. Uh, you have to leave your husband at home, go on a trip. Uh, it's, it's on a boat, and uh, the boat capsizes and goes down in a terrible storm, and you have, like, all kinds of stuff in your waterproof proof purse uh, <laughs> that floats, okay? And so your waterproof purse floats. You're on a desert island, and... You open up your purse, and one of the things you have in your purse is uh, a picture of your husband. Now, <laughs> we know he doesn't pick up his socks. Okay, and he doesn't, uh, he has selective hearing, doesn't do all of his chores and everything. But when you're on that desert island, <laughs> you know, you're kind of attached to him. You might have a picture of him, or when I'm on a desert island, I have a picture of Carol, you know, but so, so ladies, that picture is going to be really important to you, <laughs> even though it's not the real thing, right? Every, you, know, you have survival stuff in your purse, so you have a campfire. <laughs> Every evening, <laughs> you look, you look at a picture of your husband <laughs> because he's not there and you're not with him. Okay, you get rescued, right? So the rescue boats come. You get back to the United States. Now you're with your husband. What do you do with the picture? Nothing. You don't, you don't need the picture. You have the reality. You have your husband with all of his socks. <laughs> but you have your husband, and you don't, Look at the picture every night anymore, right? And it's the same way. That's the reason there's no temple because you don't need the symbol of the presence of God anymore when you are actually face-to-face -face, just like he meant for it back in the garden. You are with him. That fellowship, that family, Thank you, Frank. That's what he's after. So, uh, um, the best temporary symbols give way to eternal reality. Revelation 21, verse 24 through 26. Here we go. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. What is that about?
Jesus says, I will prepare a place for you. Yeah. And that city, that city is the place that he's been preparing. That's a holy city, not like uh, some of the dirty cities that we have nowadays in the world. Yeah. Now, I read nations, the word nations here. Now, I need to give some instruction. The word nations means ethnic group, okay? So an ethnic group, kind of like the Kalapuya people of the Willamette Valley in Oregon, that's, that's a nation or an ethnic group. That's what the Bible talks about when the Bible's talking about nations. It's, it's not political nations. Like uh, in North America, we have Canada, the United States, and Mexico, right? We're not talking about those kinds of nations. When Jesus, when the Bible talks about nations, it is like the Kalapuya people or the, uh, um, the, the Dargan people in the mountains of Turkmenistan. It's an it's a ethnic group. Okay, so... The... The nations are coming into, into the city, and they are, they're kings, you know, from these nations, giving their glory to God. Now, I'm going to take some time out uh, right now to uh, have you look up some verses. Now, you might have to displace. I made sure that there's a Bible in every section, and some of you have Bibles on your phone, but... Uh, there are going to be some uh, verses on the screen. Uh, and this would be slide um, four. I'll give those verses out. I'll start out. So <clears throat> what I've done here is Every section of the Bible, uh, the law, first five books of the Bible, history, the writings, the prophets, okay? Uh, when we get to the New Testament, the Gospels, and then, and then there's the letters of uh, the, the Apostle Paul and a letter of Peter. I've gone through the, all of the Bible and I've marked just, some, just a few of the spots and where it talks about nations because the Bible, the Bible, is a, the narrative is about the nations. It's really important. Those people groups, those ethnic groups, it has been a part of God's heart from the very beginning. And if we don't quite get that, what God's after. We might miss and misunderstand the Bible, okay? And so what I want, I, I want you to experience it because I don't want you to just take my word for it. <laughs> I want you to experience from the very beginning all the way through the Bible in every section God has been talking about these ethnic groups, these various peoples, okay, how important that is to him. And uh, we don't have the slide. I'll go ahead and say it. So for this side, for this section, um, uh, someone look up Genesis 10, verse 32. Someone else look up 
Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and then someone else look up Exodus 19, verse 3 through 6. I'll say those again. Genesis 10, 32. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 19, verses 3 through 6. Okay? Um, on this side, I want to have people look up 1 Kings 8, verse 41 through 43. So, um, 1 Kings 8, verse 41 through 43. And then someone else, look up Psalm 67, verse 3 through 4. And then someone else, look up Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. Okay, and then Daniel 7, verses 13 through 14. All right, now, we got to get in. Who, who wants to look up a verse and doesn't have one yet? Eileen? Okay, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. That's easy. And then someone else? Romans 15, verse 8 through 9. And then the last one, 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. So, and now I'm going to give you, uh, what we want to do is I want to have you read those verses aloud. Not everyone has a Bible with them. I want you to read those verses aloud uh, to the people around you, Okay. And we'll take about five minutes to do that. I want you to experience how often God has talked about, th these are just a few of the verses that God has talked about the nations throughout all the sections of the Bible. So go ahead. You might have to move, but go ahead and read to everyone, and uh, we'll come back to me. <laughs> Those of you who are online, uh, this is not going to be uh, uh, an empty gap for you because you, of course, have gotten your phone and, and, or you're getting up to get your Bible and you're reading some of those verses as well. And so I'll read uh, to you uh, what the references are. Uh, Genesis 10:32. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Exodus 19, 3 through 6. 1 Kings 8, 41 through 43. Psalm 67, 3 through 4. I hope you have a pencil. Isaiah 2, verses 1 through 5. You could look up, you don't have to look up all of them. You could just look up some of them. But Daniel 7, 13 through 14. 
Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Romans 15, 8 through 9, and 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. So they actually talked about the nations, huh? <laughs> oh. Did you online? Is this online? Come on. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, kind of wrap it up here. I loved hearing the, the murmurs uh, going on. I loved seeing people with their Bibles open. Now, testify, okay? In every section of the Bible, was God concerned about the nations? Uh, which, which verse did you read? Over here? Oh, Psalm? Okay, so you were in the writings section of the Bible. So that's kind of in the middle. Okay. And he was concerned about the nations, right? All right. How about over here? Isaiah 2, the prophets. All right. And this section? Oh, First Peter, you were in the New Testament. Uh, one of the apostles writing, very good, thank you. This section, Genesis at the very beginning, the, the law, all right, the section of the law, and this section over here. Genesis, oh, you went from one end to the other, Genesis to 1 Peter, okay. Every section of the Bible, God is pursuing the nations. It's a big deal to him. And we will not understand the Bible correctly and, unless we realize that. So I have um, uh, I have right here written, I've put all of those eight verses into a narrative, okay? Because the Bible is a narrative. And, uh, and I've tried to, to write it carefully for you and squeeze a lot of the thought the story of the Bible, into these uh, eight verses all the way through the end. So here's how this goes. Our exalted dad created the universe and everything in it. He made humans to be like himself with the ability to think, feel, and will so that we would co-reign over the earth with our dad caring for all the other creatures. Then something bad happened. 
We traded dad for the devil. And poor relationships metastasized. So dad had to intervene severely in order to preserve the human species. On one occasion, he put down what would have been a coordinated, universal, and permanent rebellion. He did this by confusing them with different languages so that we humans would scatter and form many nations all over the world. After that, Dad made a special nation out of the descendants of one man, Abram. And he promised that through Abram, all families on earth would be blessed. Dad rescued this special nation from slavery in the grip of a superpower so that they might go on to display what he is like to the rest of the nations. They built an ornate temple to honor dad and prayed to all the nations of the earth uh, and prayed that all the nations of the earth would come to know and worship him. Here are some of the words to one of their songs. May the nations praise you, O, o God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the peoples of the whole world. Dad told them about a day when he would mediate between international disputes and nations would no longer fight against nation nor train for war anymore because his Humane reign will never end. One day, Dad made a significant advance on his promise to Abraham. Dad took his own divine ability to communicate and integrated it with the genetic material of a young woman in that special nation. So Dad's message about himself became a human person, Jesus, the promised descendant who would bless all families on the earth. Dad presented his special son as a sacrifice for sin. So Jesus died, he was buried, and since he was perfectly innocent, Dad brought him back to life again. Dad crowned him king of the universe. And King Jesus commissioned us to, one, go wherever we must to interact socially with people of every ethnic group in the world. Two, urge them to trade the devil for dad. Three, train them to put everything he taught into practice. Now, we are a nation of dad's special children showing all other nations his goodness. For he called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We will keep shining dad's goodness until people from every ethnic group have joined Jesus and in so doing have joined our special family of light. And now we get to Revelation chapter 21.
where we left off. And so this verse uh, 24 through 26, I'll read it again. And this is a question that's coming up. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city and in all of their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. The question is this now. What is the glory and honor of all the nations? Did you hear anything? Some folks over here saying Jesus, question mark. Oh, well, that's not what I had in mind, but we can explore that. <laughs> what, so, the, so the, yeah, the nations, so, so Jesus is, is in the city, and he is the light of the city, if you remember that verse. I mean, he, he, he makes the city go. He makes the city shine. And his Father, God, they're God's the glory, Jesus is the light, same thing. And, and, but nations, the ethnic groups of all the world are coming into the city, right? And they're, they're bringing all their glory and honor into the city. And so, so I, I'm, I'm thinking they're not, they're not bringing Jesus into the city. They're bringing their glory and honor. So it, it must be something besides Jesus. Um, uh, okay, uh, microphones? I'm, I'm not hearing. Somebody said praise and worship. Oh, worship, yeah, okay, all right. So, so according to what God wants to have happen in the entire, in the entire Bible, he's, he's active in all the nations, and, and it said he's, he's, he's mediating between disputes, now all the nations know something of him. Yes, they're bringing in their admiration, right? Yeah, they are bringing in to the city their best, their worship. Yeah. Now, uh, did you want to say something? Said adopted sonship. Oh yeah. Okay, I I, I get what you mean. They're bringing in themselves. The the themselves to uh, the holy city, to God, uh, as children, as his children, yeah, in the family, in the community. I totally get it, yeah. You know, um, every nation, every kind of people, because we're, we're all different, all, all of us ethnic groups, right? And, and the ethnic groups have differences in character, okay? They... They act differently. But there's also things that different ethnic groups do well. And some, and some of those things are better than other ethnic groups, right? So whatever the ethnic group, whatever they do that they're proud of, that is good, that is a part of their character, that is good, they offer that to the Lord in the holy city. Now, I, I give you, in my mind... Uh, I've lived in West Africa, 
And in West Africa, there's an instrument that they, that they make out of like a pumpkin sort of gourd thing. They just chop it in half. They put a skin over it, have a kind of a hole in the back for, for sound, a stick, and, and they somehow make strings. <laughs> they set, it, it, there's 11 strings. They set the strings, uh, uh, they, they tune the strings in such a way that when, when an expert plays it, it sounds so beautiful. It just sounds, you would not believe it, that it was a gourd. <laughs> you would not. It is so beautiful. And in my mind, uh, nations from West Africa will send their best uh, kora player in. And in this time, the kora player isn't sacrificing a, a, a chicken to dedicate the instrument to, to the demons. But the kora player is going into the city with himself and his skills to, and singing in honor of the Lord. So that, that's, that's what's going on there. All of the nations are worshiping, giving their best, their honor to the Lord because of what he has done for them at that time. There are 17,000 nations uh, in the world. 10,000 of them have been reached to some extent, more or less. About 7,000 nations have, are unreached. So that's, that's where we stand uh, today. Um, the Lord is so great that he deserves the very best of all the cultural all the character traits that a nation has that's good, he deserves the very best of every one of those nations. And he wants the best from all of those nations. Okay. Verse 22, first two verses. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street on each side of the, uh, down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used, get this, ready? The leaves were used... for medicine to heal the nations. I just, I just said that nations have something good about them, you know, about their character that they have to offer God, talents and abilities. Nations also are injured, as we know already today, and there is healing for the nations. Here's the question. Of what does the tree remind you? The Garden of Eden. Yes. At the very beginning, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one they ate, right? But there was another tree. The tree of life. That they could have eaten, but they didn't. <laughs> we didn't. And then it was the, the, the way to the tree of life was cut off, right? Couldn't get back, couldn't have. 
We could have biological life, but we couldn't have spiritual, real life. And now in this city, there is that tree. Here's another question. How does the tree of life grow? It's kind of a hard question. It's from the water that Jesus and God are flowing through the yeah. city. That was a hard question. You made it look easy. <laughs> oh, it's right there. <laughs> That's a great thing to say. It's, it's not hard. It's right here. <laughs> yeah, it, and, and it's so symbolic. So the, this water is coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, right? The Lamb, Jesus, who sacrificed for us. So the rule, the ruling, the reign, that is life. And that makes the tree of life live. <laughs> that is life. So following God is life. There is no other life in it. Some people think, well, why does God, why is he so proud? He wants everyone to worship him. <laughs> it's not that he's proud. There is life nowhere else. He wants you to worship him because that is what life is. He loves you. And so, um, the tree of life grows from the rule of God. The way life really is flows from the rule of God. We're almost done here. Um, Verse 22, 3 through 4, no longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face. And his name will be written on their foreheads. Here's the last question. What is that about? They will see his face. You already know the answer. Go ahead. We'll be in his presence forever and ever and ever. Yeah, that's all he's wanted. God, in this kind of way, is, is like a... Like... Like Carol, my, my wife is, whenever Thanksgiving and Christmas comes around and all the family will be together. <laughs> she, she's in such a good mood. She just loves it. She lives for it. This is, this is the way God is. This is what he has always wanted. He's never wanted to be separated from you or from anyone. Doesn't matter if they're in the mountains of Turkmenistan. This is what the world Christian movement is about. And so, I want to urge you, because he loves you so much, and you love him back, to take that picture, pray those prayers, until we're working in the family business with him. <laughs>